Welcome back to Ideas Digest with me, Conrad, talking some politics and loose facts. Today, we're looking at political ideas on the ground level. First of all, I will apologize for sound quality. I will admit it's not my finest, but I think it passes and you uni students out there, you know what they say. If you get a distinction, you're working too hard. Or that was just me. I think I think the more common one might be P's, P's get degrees. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. In this episode, and probably others, you're going to notice some loose facts and ballparking figures. Like I've said before, the purpose of this is not a debate. We're not talking to experts. We're just talking to regular people with regular ideas and finding out where they come from. So all these l- loose facts and ballpark figures... I highly encourage you, go fact check them, because what I've found is that when we dig under the surface of our opinions, we find we find that we have a whole set of assumptions based on loose facts and figures, and these rough estimates ultimately give us a general impression, and this general impression forms many of our opinions, and in this case, our political opinions. So what I like about my chat with Rob is that he was happy to admit where he wasn't sure about certain things. And I do respect that honesty. I I want on this podcast to be a space where you can say, you know what, I don't know. And that's okay. So as Rob and I dug deeper into the foundations of some of the assumptions we hold, we came to find some of the loose facts and figures that both of us were forming the assumptions that we were operating on. And what I've personally found, when we update these assumptions or correct them, it might actually change our entire worldview or even political opinion as an end result. I know personally, I've shifted around on the political spectrum the more I have delved into social science, economics, and things like that. And I expect that to always change because there's always new studies and new science coming out that's going to just keep updating and adding to the pile of collective things that we all know and understand. And that's why conversations like this one, the one I had with Rob, are honestly never ending. I know I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, oh, kill me now. Who cares? And okay, I get it. But when you work out how to have fun with political conversations, which I actually have a bit of fun with it, then... I, then you, I think you'll end up loving politics. And perhaps, maybe, hey, that love of politics might make you a politician. Uh, just, um, actually, no, ignore the last few things I said. Don't become a politician. Just, just listen to this episode, vote, and then forget about politics for the next three years. All right, enjoy. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity that other human being to who they really are and in the marketplace of ideas these things are complicated man we all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints a genuine multicultural connection with another i mean sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree you just need to sit with it and digest Welcome, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast where we hunt down someone with a different idea and say, hey, I respect you as an intelligent person. Please tell me more about how you see the world. It's a, that's a longer tagline, but we're workshopping things. Welcome back to the political episodes coming up to the Australian election. It's just a few days away. I'm talking to as many people as I can because I'm trying to cover off as much of the political spectrum as I can. Many of you may have already voted. Uh, if you have, 
that's okay. You can still listen and see, oh, whoops, did I make a mistake? Or you can consolidate that belief that you that you voted for the right person. So far, we've spoken to a greenie, a Fraser Anning supporter, a Labor supporter, and now we have a little bit of the political spectrum left to explore. My guest today is a gentleman from up north. His name is Rob. I went to university with him. Thanks for talking to me, Rob. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Before we get to know you, I'm just going to jump into some quick assumptions because that's what I like to do here. Just fire bullets of assumptions at you. And with as little nuance as possible, I want to see which ones land and which ones don't. Because let's face it, everybody's doing it. Everybody listening in the car has is going to make some judgments and they're going to make it based off you answering this one question. So, Rob, you're walking into the election booth or your postal voting who are you preferencing number one mate number one lnp all right i've got assumptions locked and loaded ready to go okay so let's we're gonna play a game called correct me if i'm wrong rob you can correct me if i'm wrong on these assumptions right bit of a yes or no we might allow some nuance but we'll we'll see mostly no nuance okay i'll try rob lnp Mate, you're clearly a baby boomer sitting on five properties. You're just trying to protect your wealth empire. I wish. <laughs> so that's a no on the baby boomer? No, that's a, that's a no. I was born in And a no on the property empire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. All right. I, I so, have one house. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a good start. Guys, he's on his way to being a baby boomer. I, See, I, I knew it. To be, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're a conservative Christian. Correct. Oh, got one. Correct me if I'm wrong, you're anti-gay marriage. Yes, correct. The first one gave away the second one. Yeah. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, climate change, you're a denier. Oh, how much nuance am I allowed? I go with the closest one. I think the climate has changed. Uh, okay, let me be more specific. Man-induced climate change. Humans are responsible for climate change, yes or no? Probably to some degree. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> That's a tough one to do without think... nuance. I'm going to lump you in a yes on that one, but I'll I'll put you as a reluctant yes. Yeah, maybe. Okay. You're obviously funded by big business and corporations. (laughs) Did they buy your vote? Is that what happened? Oh, mate, I wish they would fund me. L&P, if you're voting for them, number one, you're obviously cool with the big corporations dodging out on taxes. You're cool with that? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. So does that mean you're a fan of trickle-down economics? Um, Tax cuts for the rich. We're all better off when the rich get rich. No. You want to privatize government assets. You just want to privatize everything. The ABC, you want to privatize it, yeah? Um, probably. Correct me if I'm wrong. You think everyone who is poor is lazy. No. This guy's got a heart, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and last one. You're voting liberal. The thing I hear the most from all these liberal candidates when they're attacking Labor, they always say... Well, you know, if you're voting for Labor, you're pretty much voting for the Greens. So, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but you think the Greens Party are communists? Socialists, but yeah, close enough. Close enough. Yes. All right. All right. We got it. Few yeses, few noes. Nuance is required. The conversation has just begun. We don't have to end the conversation after judging people. We can learn more about them. So, Rob, where'd you grow up? Uh, Mate, I grew up in... Western New South Wales. Country town? Yeah, Narromine, middle of mm-hmm. nowhere, near Dubbo. People seem to know Dubbo. I've passed through probably. <laughs> yeah, there's not much around. And and then Perth um, for my high school years. What do your parents do? My mum's a teacher. 
And mm-hmm. my dad was a farmer. Now he he works in mining. Ah, oh, farmer mining. Uh huh. Okay. And religious upbringing. And you're still a Christian now. I am Protestant. Uh, Seventh Day Adventist. Tell me a little bit of, about your upbringing. Anything come to mind? You. No, nothing too extreme. No tragedies, loss, things like that. Just like private schooling. Went through private schooling. <laughs> private schooling, yes. Um, Adventist education, so not ritzy private schooling. Okay, affordable private education. <laughs> yeah, cheap private education, and um, just kind of your typical middle class upbringing. Graduated high school and then went to uni. I did. Yeah, I went to uni. Did a, a degree in science, exercise and health science. And I went to another uni where I, I met you and did. Uh, bachelor of teaching uh, yeah i was also doing teaching we had a good time there didn't we uh, we did we do teaching i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> i think i came out with it said something i got on a piece of paper sure. apparently and you're a teacher now or not no well I, i'm relief teaching a little bit at the moment but i went back to uni about two years ago and did an mba and i just finished in february so you've got three degrees i do Save some for the rest of us, mate. <laughs> He's highly educated and currently you're looking to move maybe away from teaching. Is that where you're headed? Yeah, that's the idea. Try something new. Who did your parents vote for growing up? Um, always voted conservatively. Mm-hmm. So. so nationals, you would say, probably? Listen, I don't remember if we had nationals or liberal out in Western New South Wales, but yeah, mm. one of those two, and, and then liberal in Perth. At the moment, where would you class yourself on the socioeconomic scale? Middle, upper middle, lower middle, middle middle. Oh uh, yeah, lower. yeah. Probably after a couple of years out of work, lower middle. Lower middle. Okay, <laughs> you started middle. Yeah, no, went back to uni, yeah, we, dropped a little bit. That's right. We we're probably upper middle before I I took two years off with no income. How well travelled? Would you say you are? I feel embarrassed to even talk about my travel around you, but, <laughs> you know, reasonably well-traveled. Done in Europe a couple of times in America. Upward of five to ten countries, you'd yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, probably ten to twelve. At what age did you cast your first vote and who was it for? The first election after I turned 18, yeah. So you went you went right into Sorry. it. Good, responsible citizen you were. Who, who'd you vote for? I voted Liberal. Ah, and have you been voting Liberal ever since? I have. Occasionally I'll throw in some other conservative options now lead me to your line of reasoning what led you to look across the political spectrum and go you know what liberal thick and thin i you know obviously you're you're a um, product of your upbringing and and that was my you know what i was taught at home but then when i got out and you know i had to make my own decisions i thought you know i want i want to pick a party who have similar values to me so what are those values what are the liberal party you, you say value that you also value uh, religion i think yep liberal is the party that more aligns with a, a christian ethos and and certainly in recent times have have supported religious freedom um, a lot more than some of the, the other parties and being a product of a middle class kind of upbringing and to initially a country boy, it was the mm. national kind of, you know, who looks after the farmers. Liberal was always the one who was looking after private education and, and that kind of thing. I don't know, the, the things that, you know, I was immersed in seemed to be things supported by liberal. So you've outlined religious freedom. Uh, think you were a product of private education and liberals, I guess, tend to support the private education system. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly... potentially more than labor or at least uh, some people say labor might want to cut funding to private and put it all into the public so you thought well i'm a product of this 
that that's the way I'm going. And and I was a teacher in private education as well. That also kind of relates to my first thing, religious freedom and freedom to teach religious education, which is, is not allowed in the public school system. I yeah. think that's important that, that that's allowed. And when you say religious, you mean Christian, yeah? I mean Christian, but it goes for each of the religions. I'm happy with the... Muslim education system to be able to teach Muslim education. What are your top three ranking issues then coming into this election? Is it religious freedom and is there any other ones? Religious freedom. The The second issue is the economy. I've always looked through history and what I've seen and liberal seems to be more responsible with the money, in my opinion. Okay. I certainly thought um, Howard Costello did a great job. Didn't think the same of Rudd Gillard. Rudd Gillard Rudd. Rudd Gillard Rudd, that's right. I think Liberal government has been getting back towards the black, and this is the first budget surplus since um, Johnny. Well, I was talking to the Greens guy yesterday, and this is where, and tell me what you think of this, and if you've heard the same thing, he was telling me that this projected surplus isn't a surplus. This budget, they're still in the in the what's the opposite of the black is black whichever one that is they're still in debt but they've projected that they will have a surplus did you hear that no i i didn't i anyway that's what i so definitely look into that listeners if if yeah fact check the greenie for us fact check that I, i was under the assumption that this coming budget in what july the budget comes out doesn't it something like that will be okay yeah yeah will be a surplus budget. So was I. So I'm going to fact check that and yeah. see if we have been misled or if in fact it is true because it could be Green's propaganda. We don't know. Well, so <laughs> so outline for me, when you say economic and managing the budget, what do you see as sound economic management? And how do you kind of measure the success of a government towards uh, managing the economy well? Well, I think the end of the day balancing the budget's important you want to pay down the debt that we have yeah i'd rather not have oodles of debt hanging over our heads because i mean mm-hmm. just look at america to see what can happen when it gets out of control what can happen when you're saying look at america i think the debt's at a like phenomenal level now i don't know that it will matter in the end because their military might <laughs> you know is is enough <laughs> just say hey we have nukes yeah. So we don't owe you any money. Yeah, no, something like that. <laughs> kind of what Germany tried to do, wasn't it? Second World War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wonder how that went. Yeah. What What makes you look at the Howard Costello era and say that was sound economic management and the Rudd Gillard Rudd not? Is it just looking at the end of the period saying, okay, we were we had a surplus when it was Howard Costello, and we had a deficit when it was Rudd Gillard Rudd. Is there any other things that you look at to make that assessment? I think the you know obviously maintaining a, a reasonable unemployment rate is important. I looked at a graphic recently that just outlined from the OBS budget deficits or surpluses over the last kind of thirty years, and it was nearly every year of Johnny Costello kind of combo was a surplus, but then each since has been a deficit. And the thing that I've been told, and I think experienced just through that kind of thing, is Labor tends to spend a lot of money. They, they splash a lot of cash, and then Liberal comes in and makes the cuts and tightens the purse strings. And I just think that it's not necessary for Labor to come in and do a big splurge for Liberal to then have to be tight. I think, you know, a, a moderate um, centre-right kind of Liberal can spend money 
responsibly. You're not someone who is opposed to cutting social welfare. Oh, I don't think we need to cut it, but I certainly don't think it's at a ridiculous level. But you're happy with Australia's welfare program? You think is it's good to have that we have? I think it's great, but I don't think it needs to be upped, which is kind of the rhetoric that's going around at the moment. You know, over the last couple of years, I've been a recipient of family tax benefit and my wife getting parenting partner payment from Centrelink. So we know what the money is. It's not great. But, you know, we worked hard and we saved money so that we could potentially have this time where I can just be mainly a dad. When you're saying uh, Labor comes in and splashes the cash, Labor would say that what they're doing is investing in infrastructure or investing in in the future payoffs kind of thing. And then their argument to you would be liberal come in, sell everything, privatize everything, get us into the clear, you know, get a bit of a surplus, but then long-term we're more screwed because we don't own our roads, we don't own our railways, we don't own our power lines. And they would say Australians are worse off because we haven't invested. What do you think of that argument? One of my favourite Liberal governments was actually the Colin Barnett WA government. Tell me about that. Barnett invested wisely in a lot of infrastructure and funnily enough got massive attacks from the Labor state government for doing so. The, the whole while... What did he invest in? Uh, he dramatically improved the, the roads, like getting to and from the airport and into the city and things. He, he invested in, in the, the right places. I don't know. Like he built a new stadium yeah. as well and, and made it, built Elizabeth Key to get tourism. So I think Liberal governments are, are capable of investing in wise kind of infrastructure without, you know, throwing money away on stimulus packages. And... So you look at Labor's spending and you you think that a lot of it's unnecessary, unaffordable spending. Yeah. Do you have a, an example of something that you look at in this coming election and just go, why do we need that? What's the point? I should have notes, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh, I don't know if you can think of it. This is, this is also the point of the podcast. I'm not here to debate and, and have experts on. The point is that anyone can kind of come on and go, well, this is my general impression and that and that's fine because we're talking to normal people and we're talking, with, we're talking about ideas on the ground level and that's why I'm just talking to the people I come across. So if you can't think of anything, that's fine as well. I haven't spent as much time looking into Labor's policies, probably. This is one of the things when, when it's compulsory voting, we have to vote. And if most of us are honest, who's got the time to look into all of this kind of stuff? And this is partly why I'm doing the podcast series is because I think politics is often intuited. It, it, we, we kind of absorb these things. We get these impressions and we don't have the time to go in and really dig down into the impressions that we've formed. I agree. And I think the snippets on the media that I've seen, and I don't see heaps of media because when I'm at home, you know, I've got two little kids and we don't tend to have the TV. Got to limit that screen time, you know. That's it. it. It appears to me that there's a whole lot of kind of promising being made by Labor. I think they promised to pay childcare workers heaps more. Yeah, they did actually. That was one of them. They're going to up the pay of childcare workers, yeah. Which seems random that they just picked out that job. But I don't, I don't know where they're getting all this money and yep. promising to up the minimum wage, I think. I heard that. I didn't hear that one, but it could be. ABC Vote Compass, that's one of the questions. Plug for ABC Vote Compass. So when you, when you plugged it in into ABC Vote Compass, you came out where you thought you would? <laughs> yeah, funny enough, I did it twice. 
and I came mm. out semi-overlapping LMP. Now talk to me about religious freedom. You said that's a that's a big thing. Do you have the impression that as a Christian, you... Yeah, people who identify as Christian are, are definitely in the spotlight, in the headlights. In what ways? Well, case in point, like Izzy Flower. Tell me, tell me about that scenario from your perspective for people who are unaware or under a rock or don't watch mainstream media. Me, I don't. I've just gleaned this. So here's, here's my general overview of it. Israel Folau, Christian rugby player, posted a post on social media saying, hey, adulterers, all these other people and homosexuals, watch out because you're going to hell. And then Qantas with a CEO who is gay himself they said to Rugby Union Australia, you better drop Israel Folau or we will drop you as a sponsor. And now it's in court. I'm not sure what... I think he lost the first... He lost the tribunal. They haven't They haven't sentenced. They haven't handed down a... Not a sentence, but, you know, like the, the outcome. But he's not facing criminal charges. No, he's, no, it's, it's just a civil dispute. Yeah. So yeah. whether or not they'll fire him or suspend him or, or whatnot. Give me, from your Christian perspective, what does that look like to you? Okay, so I'll start off by saying I don't agree with Izzy's views. I think his yeah. theology's off. <laughs> I don't think... Okay, you're not in alliance I with his brand yeah, of Christianity. I actually don't think that hell exists. Um, you know, it's how he's interpreted the Bible um, or his faith and yeah. he's expressing his faith. And I don't think that that should get you fired. <laughs> And this is where, you know, like I mentioned, I answered your question, the assumption on gay marriage. I yeah. feel like that was what a lot of people said it was, and it was a opening a, a door. Um, but now a lot of other things are going to be shoved through. Unpack that for me. I don't think it was necessarily all about gay people being able to marry. I think there was an agenda behind it. And what do you think that that agenda is? Uh, popularizing that kind of thing, you know, trying to push transgender in information into primary school education things like that and so you're worried about the safe schools program oh, ha- exposing Terrible. children to uh transgender ideology yeah i think trying to normalize these things at a at a young age where kids are not able to deal with that kind of thing do you worry that the exposure at a young age would would what encourage more students to be gay or more students to be transgender or what's the worry there? I think it certainly would, in formative years, before the frontal lobe is developed, and <laughs> that's a can of worms. I don't know if... <laughs> it is a can of worms. So angle it towards religious freedoms. What do you think the Israel Folau ruling, him losing his job, what do you think that limits for Christians? I think if, if we get to a place in... In society where a Christian can't post something that they believe that's taught in their Christian institution on social media without, you know, losing their job or ramifications, then we've lost freedom of speech. Because you're you're not talking about government government freedom of speech, as in the legal freedom of speech. You know, he's he's legally allowed to say that, and there was no a court case or criminal charges pressed against him for saying that it's you sound like you're talking more about freedom of speech in the sense that in the corporate world i think again it it goes hand in hand i think you know precedents are are set with government decisions and then new norms are created so you would want to see 
the government step in and enforce some form of legislation that would say you can't get in trouble for expressing a religious belief? I would like more clarity there might be in America. I'm not sure. That might be something that they do better than us. They have a constitutional right to express themselves and we don't. They have a constitution. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we have a constitution. So we don't have the right to free speech outlined in a constitution as such. Yeah, and that worries me. And, you know, having a government who I know are not going to try and pass laws to prohibit free speech is comforting. And also a prime minister who, who shares similar values to me. So you look at ScoMo when he went to that Pentecostal church and you go, I relate to this guy because he is a Christian and so am I and so I trust him in that sense. Yeah, he's a, he's a Christian father of a couple of girls, so am I. And I think he's an actual an actual Christian. There's a difference. Yeah, not like a Trump grade Christian? Yeah, like a lot of politicians become a Christian just before the election and go to church the one time they have in five years. Solve this dilemma that I've come across. So you've got... Israel Folau, you've got Qantas, a corporate entity that says, Israel Folau, you don't represent our brand. We want to drop you because your views don't represent our brand on one end of the spectrum. And then you've got religious schools saying to potentially gay teachers or trans teachers saying, we are not going to employ you because you don't represent our brand or our values. If they're kind of the same thing in the eyes of the law, if, if the government was to step in and say, Qantas, you can't do that, then wouldn't it set a precedent to then say to schools, you also can't do that? Is there a, unpack that for me if I've, if there's something I'm missing. I mean, the, the obvious difference is that Izzy Folau is not employed by Qantas. But I, I, do, I do get where, where you're coming from. And I think institutions should be allowed to employ specific staff who are equipped to deliver their product. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, if it became, you know, if a, a flight attendant was saying something and they, you know, did it publicly or whatever and they got fired, then I think that's within the realms of Qantas rights. And Alan Joyce, that's part of his job maybe. But I, I don't like when it becomes a public trial and, you know, Qantas is a sponsor of Rugby Union. Qantas is also, and I'm sure you've heard this, you know, in bed with Emirates, where if you are gay, you can be like trialed for a criminal charge. Yeah, yeah. So they're virtue signaling there and then you've gone, well, that's a massive inconsistency because there's a company that does way worse things than post on social media. Well, not a company. I suppose the company doesn't do that, but Emirates like, is owned by... by the state. Oh, is it? I didn't. Okay. Is it owned by the state? I believe it is. We can fact fact check that and find out who owns Emirates. But yeah, I get where you're going with it. And I guess that, that that's the wake up call. I think maybe everyone's missed. Corporations, they love to virtue signal, but they don't have morals. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're what we're pointing to. You're saying Qantas, you're pretending you've got morals, but you don't. You just crunch the numbers, and you went, ah, oh, we could get out of this deal that we maybe don't want to be in. We could uh, get some more customers and take a stand on this. So they're using. Would you agree with this then? You are you saying something like Qantas is leveraging and vilifying a Christian group of people for profit? Yep. Okay. They want the publicity. Alan Joyce personally has a problem with Israel Folau and wants to push his weight around. You know, I do think it's a 
bit personal. And like you said, you know, they, they're loving the notoriety. So you're not a fan of this virtue signaling gotcha culture that this seems to be a product of? Absolutely not. Okay, so from a Christian perspective, you are concerned about the trajectory of society making it difficult to be a Christian. Yeah, I think Christianity does cop a fair bit. I'm not sure. You know, I don't have stats to back that up, but... Uh, That's the impression you get. Yeah, I, I think the, the Christchurch thing was, was horrendous and the whole world stopped and was was awful. But then a couple of days later, five times as many Christians were killed and it was like a blink-and-you-miss-it kind of news headline. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think it's for whatever reason, Christianity seems to be the, the religion that, that kind of gets dragged over the coals when anything is said that's not like mainstream accepted, uh, whereas the Muslim faith is is kind of not touched so much. Your impression is that there's a there's a double standard. There's an oversensitivity to criticizing the minority position in Australia, and there's a oversensitivity, overcritical eye on the Christian worldview might have to say. And although I don't think the Christian worldview in Australia is the majority anymore, certainly it's it's greater than the Muslim in numbers. I think agnostic and atheist is probably like I don't think we're a Christian country anymore. I think yeah, there's there's an argument for that. Australia has a pretty solid separation of church and state. You we can have a PM that says I'm not a Christian, whereas America cannot have a president that says I'm not a Christian. So we yeah, we do have a stronger separation from church and state. It seems. On to another topic, the environment. How high is that on your list of concerns? Oh, it's not at the top of the list. I How far down? Top 10? Personally, I, I do care about the environment. You know, part of my Christian worldview is I believe God made an amazing planet for us to look after. And, and certainly everyone doing their little bit can make a difference. But why it's not a massive issue for me is, is just the, the scope of what we as Australia, as a nation, the impact we can make is, is so minuscule. So you look at Australia on the global the global scale and say, why bother doing anything because it's not going to fix the problem? Is that a fair assessment? No, not quite. Like, okay, I think everyone should do their own bit. We have stainless steel straws, you know. <laughs> so you're doing your bit. <laughs> You've ditched <Yes>. the straws. <laughs> I, I don't drink coffee at all, so I don't use those disposable cups. On that line, I think the biggest issue is probably it's more to do with what we eat than what we drive. Okay, explain that. So you think everyone should be vegetarian then? I think if everyone was vegetarian, it would make a much, much bigger dent in emissions and potential global warming causes than um, if everyone drove a Prius. Are you a vegetarian? Yes, mostly vegan. Okay, a flexible vegan. Hey, listen, we've gotten we've gotten forty minutes into this podcast, and you haven't dropped that you're a vegan yet. That if that 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 shows that you're not a true vegan. I'm not a true vegan, mate. I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't lump me in with that kind of. <laughs> the title will be "Liberal Supporter Is Vegan." <laughs> you're okay with the Liberal government because they're opening a, a fair few minds. They're voting pretty heavily to explore for gas and a lot of other environmentally harmful things, which is why a lot of people are shifting left because they want action on climate change. It, some would, some commentators would say if Liberal lose this election, it may be over climate. They say this is the election of climate change. Yeah, no, I've heard that. Where do you sit with Liberals being environmentally aware and concerned as you are when you look at the Liberal Party's 
policies on the environment. How does that sit with you? We're, like I said, such a small player that, you know, us using coal, clean coal or burning a lot of energy trying to figure out renewables is, is not going to make a great deal of difference. I think we're not at the point where renewables are a terribly cleaner option yet. They're cleaner than coal though, surely. They're not perfect I'll, I'll like by any stretch of the imagination, but they're cleaner than coal, yeah? Yeah, I, I don't know the exact stats. I, I've heard things like solar panels struggle to pay off their carbon footprint in their life cycle and things like that. And certainly that, you know, the battery solutions, they, they don't last that long and take a lot of power to get the lithium and the manganese and the things that they need to make them. I don't think that it's a dramatic difference in the whole mining side of things. And like, like I said, I've got my dad and my brother both work in mining. I don't think that the technology is good enough yet. And, yep. you know, if it gets there and it's economically and environmentally viable, because that's an important thing. Like, I, I don't think we can just say, okay, we're going to shut down all the coals like the Greens said. That we're just going to go 100% yep. renewable. 100% by 2030? I think that's crazy. I, I think. Unrealistic and crazy, you say? <laughs> I just don't think in 11 years we're going to be able to generate enough power and efficiently enough to, to do that, to turn off all these uh, ongoing power stations. And there, I was talking to an electrician um, relative of mine who was talking about the peaks and troughs of power and how it's a lot easier to manage with coal. And yeah. there, there's a whole lot of things that need to be sorted out before we're anywhere near just being able to flick off the switch. So like I said, if we want to make an impact straight away, then stop eating so much meat. So you think it needs needs to be more on the individual's level to change diet and do it on the individual level, not on the collective governmental level? I think the mining, it has an end date, you know. <laughs> These are non-renewable energy sources. We are blessed with a lot in Australia and it's a big part of our economy. It's the only reason we didn't go under in 2008. It's nothing to do with everyone getting 930 bucks in the bank or whatever. Some economists would, economists would disagree, but yep, go on. Yeah, well, you know, in my opinion, there's a lot more to do with WA pumping out a lot of materials to China for our stability as a nation that we keep our economy strong and that's, that's a big part of it. So you think renewables will weaken the economy? I think renewables, if we shoot too early and when the technology is not there, like the do you think Labor's shooting too early? Labor want 50% by 2030. You think that's too early? I think it's too early to tell. I think we can't, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't see what, where the technology is going to go. I think it's too early to make a, you know, a big call like that. I don't think we're anywhere near that yet. Maybe we'll be in five years. Who knows? I just, I just want the renewable energy sources to be tried and proven. There's no first mover advantage for our country, I don't think. You don't think? Some some people have said that if we invest in this stuff, then we will be the ones selling it to the rest of the world when everybody needs it. There's a lot of companies who move first and don't get it right. That is true, yeah. So, you know, the MySpaces of the world. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, MySpace. So how then do you feel about the leadership debacle? How do you feel about the Abbott-Turnbull scomo chaos well I, I was shaking my head but particularly for people who who believe that the conservative party you know offers a, a better solution for the country uh it was so unnecessary i mean turnbull in my opinion needed to go really okay you weren't a turnbull fan why not i thought he was tony abbott light uh he just didn't stand for anything i i honestly don't know i don't know what his values are because he, he shifted with the tide. Do you rate Abbott better than Turnbull? Aspects. I, I think he was a bit of bit of a galah, like on the world yeah. stage. And we'll get to Bill Shorten in a bit. But I wasn't a fan of some of his points of view. And I wasn't certainly a fan of how he always held himself. But I was. I did respect that he stood for something. 
Does Scott Morrison still deserve your vote after the Liberal Party's shown itself to just be concerned with polling and winning the next election? Mate, that's what every party's interested in. <laughs> that is true. No one's making decisions, you know, that, that are going to be good for the country in 15 years. Very short-sighted. Now, our system's built for that. But I think a leadership change needed to happen. They should have just done it behind closed doors, like in the party room. It was stupid, ridiculous. Yeah. But ScoMo has no blood on his hands. Like, let's just clear that up. He, he backed Turnbull the whole way. When Turnbull essentially resigned, when he said, okay... If, if I get a letter from more than half, I'll, I'll put it up to her. Then ScoMo put his hat in the ring because he wasn't happy with, obviously. <laughs> Dutton. <laughs> that talk about... Dutton would have been our leader right now. We'd be getting decimated. If... <laughs> well... Um, yeah, yeah, Dutton, I can only laugh if he became our leader. He wouldn't have ever become an elected prime minister, whereas ScoMo... Probably not. Since, since taking office and inheriting that shambles... You think he's done a good job? Great job. So overall, what percentage do you think you are in agreement with the Liberals? 70%, 80%, 40%, 50%? 77% probably, according to ABC Vote Compass. No one's perfect, you know? No party is perfect, no leader's perfect. In my worldview, they've got most of it right. Two issues you brought up were religious freedom and the economy. And you expressed concerns that you'd, you're hesitant to rush into shifting towards renewables and doing too much in the way of getting Australia towards a renewable, low-carbon future. If an economist or a person from the Labor Party, maybe someone from, yeah, let's say someone from the Labor Party, if, if they could prove to you that Labor's what you see as frivolous, reckless spending, if they could sit you down and say, actually, in the long term, these are good investments, and they could show you that potentially this Labor government was better at handling the economy, would that shift your vote? Probably not. Okay. What would hold it? Preface this earlier, I said, let's get to Bill Shorten later. <laughs> so Bill Shorten himself as a person. Bill Shorten himself as a person is not fit to be our Prime Minister. But what if he was a gun with the economy? Then let him be a treasurer, but don't let him be our figurehead to the rest of the world. I'd be so If he wins, then, I mean, the odds are, are ever in their favour. Oh, man. Let's keep stacking the deck towards towards Shorten. If, if Labor could show you that they were great with the economy, you sit down and go, okay, yep, yeah, all right, they're good investments. And what if they could prove that shifting rapidly and quickly towards renewable, what if they could show you that renewables did have a future, they were improving really well, and they were tried and tested with that? shift you those two issues would that shift you away from the liberal base um still unlikely shorten shorten still the hang up is he the only hang up no no i mean the the number one issue is the religious liberty kind of issue so that will always hold you that's that's the number one issue and you know in priority list yeah that would be a, a big kind of red flag in those circumstances and you know, what I'd do, I'd talk to Liberal and say, listen, what's going on? You know, these are good options. Why aren't you investing? Okay, so you'd say, Liberals, you should just do this so we don't have to have a shorten. <laughs> well, so that so we can keep the, you know, the Christian values and those things that I talked about with those good investments. And I, I, I don't think that Liberal won't invest well. I think they do. I think they've got a track record of investing well. You've got a good degree of trust in the Liberal Party. <laughs> you know, some people say best of a bad bunch. I think they I think they're an all right bunch. I think Scott Morrison personally has given Australia a good reason to trust that he's actually a genuine guy. He has an opinion. 
is not yeah. afraid to voice that opinion, which is kind of different than a lot of pollies. He's a genuine bloke. The whole Trump thing happened because America was sick of politicians being lying little weasels, and Trump may be a lying big weasel. <laughs> weasel. Yeah. He may not be. Like, I think he's... I'm, I'm on the fence on Trump. Um, I think he's done some good things. <laughs> Sounds like another episode for another time. <laughs> they, they wanted someone who was just a, a person who would speak their mind. And that's what you think, you think, you think ScoMo is someone that can be trusted? I think ScoMo is someone who will voice his opinion. Cool. Rob, I feel like you, I've managed to map your thought process and where, where you're coming from and how all of these factors and issues have led you to vote liberal. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, mate. I appreciate the opportunity. So when I just finished and hung up my conversation with Rob, we kept talking for, for a little bit more. And he said something I just want to add in to the end of this conversation. He said, quote, nah, I'm not a swing voter. It would take a lot for me to stop voting liberal. Between the two party preferred, Labor and Liberal, I just don't believe Labor share any of my same values. I wanted to add that because I think that really sums up the way Rob sees and interacts with this political system and how he approaches voting. And as you gather in that conversation, neither Rob or I are experts in <laughs> in anything, really. I just have an avid interest, and I, and, and I guess Rob does too. And, and so definitely have a fact check, look into it. That, and what I really want to be able to do is talk to anyone about any ideas. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have all the facts straight. You don't have to have any of these things. The vast majority of us engage with ideas, we intuit them, we, we pick them up from places that we don't really know where they came from, forces shape us that we are unaware of, and the result is ideas, opinions, and perspectives, and no nowhere is that more evident than when it comes to who you vote for and who you support politically. So the goal of this conversation and every conversation I've had so far is to just map and outline where different people are coming from and how they came to the conclusion they came to. Hopefully, by you observing that and you looking at the roadmap somebody takes to get to an idea, you can have a look at that roadmap and say, oh, I follow the same road, but I branch off here and I've made different assumptions at this point as opposed to this other point, and that's why I ended up over here and he ended up or she ended up over there. Hopefully... That's evident. I'm going to keep working towards the goal of understanding the people behind the ideas and why people hold certain ideas. So if you like this program, like this episode, share it. Share it with anybody. <laughs> share this episode about a liberal voter to someone who doesn't vote liberal or share it to someone who does. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Jump on iTunes, rate and review us. Give us only five stars because let's face it, fours for losers, fives are for winners. I like to think that you think I'm a winner. If you don't, don't hop on iTunes. If you want to share some ideas or feedback or thoughts, you can contact us on Instagram at Ideas Digest or you can send us an email, ideasdigest at gmail.com. And stay tuned. I've got more episodes locked and loaded. So until next time, I'll see you later.